0: Amen. Family, good morning. How are you this morning? I'm just curious. Is there anybody in the room that's ever run a marathon before? Yep, a few of us. Amen, amen. Uh, It's 26.2 miles. In case you were wondering, every marathon is 26.2. The hardest of that marathon is the .2. (laughs) Those last few yards at the very end of it. But it does indeed require endurance. And we are in a sermon series called Stay the course, and we want to learn how to endure while we are here finishing the mission on Earth. Amen? Amen? Amen. Well, if you're new here, then you might not know. I'm Debbie Turnerbell, the leadership and discipleship pastor here at KCC, and this gorgeous young lady standing to my right is uh, my one and only 12-year-old daughter, Lindley-Bell. Isn't she cute? Isn't she, don't, <laughs> don't she, don't she cute? Don't you like her hair? She's at that age now where she's, you know, starting to, I'm gonna embarrass her and I'll get this later. I'll hear about this later. (laughs) I ain't scared. (laughs) I just wanna encourage her to know that God has created her beautiful just the way she is. Amen. needs nothing else. I'm going to leave it right there because I know I'm going to hear about this later. <laughs> we're in a, a series, as you know, called Stay the Course. We're uh, studying our way and preaching our way through the second letter to Timothy. Uh, and today, we, we last week was chapter one, powerful message, powerful demonstration of the Holy Spirit as we gave up our fears from 2 Timothy chapter one. So today we're going to tackle 2 Timothy chapter two. And uh, so out of reverence for the word, as is our tradition here, if you're able, if you will stand and turn in your devices to 2 Timothy chapter two, we will not read the entire chapter, we're gonna read some excerpts, verses one through seven, we'll jump to verse uh, 11 and to read to 13, and then we'll finish up with verse 19. And Lindley's here to help with the congregational portion of the reading, I'll read a verse and then you guys will read a verse and Lindley will lead you in that. Let's begin with verse one. Timothy, my dear son, be strong through the grace that God gives you in Christ Jesus. Verse two.
1: You have heard me teach things that have been confirmed by many reliable witnesses. Now teach these truths to other trustworthy people who will be able to pass them on to others.
0: Endure suffering along with me as a good soldier of Christ Jesus. Verse four.
1: Soldiers don't get tied up in the affairs of civilian life, for then they cannot please the officer who enlisted them.
0: And athletes cannot win the prize unless they follow the rules, verse 6.
1: And hardworking farmers should be the first to enjoy the fruit of their labor.
0: Think about... Am I doing the right one? Think about what I am saying. The Lord will help you understand all these things. Verse 11 now.
1: This is a trustworthy saying. If we die with him, we will also live with him.
0: If we endure hardship, we will reign with him. If we deny him, he will deny us. Verse 13.
1: If we are unfaithful, he remains faithful, for we cannot deny who he is. But
0: God's truth stands firm with a foundation stone with this inscription. The Lord knows those who are his, and all who belong to the Lord must turn away from evil. Let's pray. Father, we thank you so much for this preaching moment. We thank you for your word, and we invite you to speak to us directly from your heart. Father, I ask that your word go forth and accomplish that for which you have sent it. Lord, you said when your word goes forth that signs and wonders follow. So that's exactly what we're asking for today. Lord, I ask that you draw the lost unto you in this moment. I ask, Lord, that you heal the sick. I ask that you set the captive free. I ask that you encourage and lift up the downtrodden. Father, we ask this in the name of Jesus and we receive it by faith. And all those who agree, say amen. Amen. Thank you very much, Linda Bell. You may take your seat, get comfortable. Well, as we mentioned, this is a series called Stay the Course. And uh, uh, Pastor Mick mentioned last week sort of the foundation of this chapter, Second Timothy. This is the second letter that Paul wrote to Timothy. In 1 Timothy, the first letter that he wrote to Timothy, he was uh, asking Timothy to go to Ephesus and to set in order the leadership of the church there. And in that letter, he promised that he would too come to Ephesus and help in the work of spreading the gospel. And that's exactly what he did. Well, in doing that, he was arrested yet again and uh, incarcerated and then put on trial. So in this second letter, letter to Timothy. He is now in jail. He is in the middle of the trial, and it's not going well. It doesn't look good. And uh, based on the writing, he probably believes that this trial will end in his execution. So he writes to Timothy, who is still in Ephesus, and asks him to come and be with him in Rome. And he is, if you will, commissioning Timothy to continue the work of the Lord even after Paul's demise, that he sure will come. He tells Timothy that there are many that have left the faith because of errant teachings and vain squabbles and debates and arguments and not get caught up in that. And in this letter, he encourages Timothy to stand firm in his faith and in his call and to avoid all those arguments and, and debates and false teachings and false teachers. Paul is urging Timothy to remember the pure gospel. Everybody say, pure gospel. If you're online, welcome to you put it in the chat. Pure gospel. Well, what is the pure gospel? Paul mentions it mentions it here. He says that Jesus Christ, the son of God, was born of the seed of David, which gives him his royal bloodline according to the Jewish tradition, but not only that as the son of God that he died for our sin and was in fact bodily resurrected. And that this is the only real gospel. There were other versions that were floating out around that, and some even saying that the resurrection had already happened, and so there was no other real or bodily resurrection that was going to happen to the believers, and that was false teaching. And so Paul wanted to make sure that Timothy carried the real gospel. And why was it important to carry the real gospel? I'm going to pace myself because I still got a while to go, and I don't want to get excited too early but the real gospel is Christ and him crucified and resurrected from the dead because it was the power of God that raised Christ Jesus from the dead that comes into our mortal bodies and raises us from the dead. And so if we skip the resurrection, we lose out on the power. Can I get an amen? And so Paul was encouraging Timothy to stick to the real gospel and to preach this gospel to the ends of the earth, that the gospel of Jesus would spread throughout the earth and multiply churches. In other words, Paul was calling Timothy to be a, disi- a church builder and build churches of disciple makers. So in 2 Timothy 2 Paul wants Timothy to remember his identity in Christ and his true mission. This was important for evangelism to continue and for the body of Christ to flourish even after Paul's mission was over and it's just as important today. We. You and I, brothers and sisters, must remember our true identity and what our true mission on earth is as believers. There's a lot of talk about identity in our society today, and we we get we can get our identity from a variety of places. Some of us get our identity in our ethnicity or the color of our skin. Some of us get our identity in our gender, whether we're male or female. Some of us get our Identity from our geographic location, being from West Michigan as opposed to the east side of the state. Some of us get our identity based on where we went to school, whether we are the Bulldogs or the Wildcats or the Hurricanes or whoever that might be. But I'm telling you, as children of God, our true identity is in Christ, and none of the rest of it matters. Now we live in this hyper-politicized uh, environment where people identify, that it's called identity politics, where we identify in our political beliefs, whether it's liberal or conservative or ultra conservative or ultra liberal or progressive or independent or whatever it is. in our society would tell us that we identify ourselves based on our political uh, beliefs. And I hate to be the one to tell some of us, but Jesus is neither liberal nor conservative. He's neither a Democrat, nor Republican. He is the one true God, the son of the living God. And if we are in him, our identity is in him to the exclusion of all else. It's tight, but it's right. And you don't have to say amen. I'll say it myself. Amen, Pastor Debbie. You see, as believers, It is important for us to root ourselves in our identity in Christ, because if we do not, it leaves the door open for the enemy to come in and bring perversion and delusion. And then all of a sudden, we are staking our claim in something that has nothing to do with eternal life. I tell you what, if we don't identify ourselves in Christ, if we identify in something else, it's going to pass away. It's not going to, to last. The scripture says, to lay not your treasures on earth where thieves and robbers break in and steal and where um, where rust and moth uh, do corrupt, but lay instead up for yourself treasures in heaven where thieves cannot break in and steal and where moth and rust cannot corrupt. You see, our identity is in something eternal. It is in the personhood and the nature of Jesus Christ and him crucified and resurrected for our salvation. Now, let me slow down. I brought my my sweat, I'm gonna need it today, I can see. I'm just curious how many of us have had at least one person, if not a few people that shared the gospel with us, encouraged us, introduced us to Jesus, prayed with us and prayed us through difficult times, stood next to us when we wavered in our faith, taught it what it what taught us what it meant to pray, what it means to study the word, taught us what faith really means, and we can owe our faith and owe our walk with the Lord and our maturity in the Lord to that person. Does anybody have somebody like that in their life? It was because of someone who spoke into your life, who prayed for you, who uh, interceded for you, and that's why you're sitting here. Well, I believe the call of the Lord for us today is for us to be that person to somebody out there to be that person that will bring the gospel of Jesus to the lost, that will speak truth into the hearts of those who are deceived, that will stand by people and love people and pray through uh, with people and have grace, grace when they fall because we fall too. And that person who was in our lives stuck by, us, stuck by us and we have to be able to stick by others. We are called to remember who we are and what our mission is. So Paul reminds Timothy how he must serve, what his true mission is, and what opposition to expect. Because yes, Timothy was going to face opposition, and so will we. Paul was directing Timothy, to keep his focus on the ministry of the gospel and not get distracted from the mission. And so Paul gives Timothy three illustrations of what it should be like to be a follower of Christ. And we are going to march through those three. First of all, Paul compares being a follower of Christ to being a soldier. Now, for those of you who have a sacrifice by fighting for our country, first of all, I say, thank you. Thank you for that sacrifice and I thank your families that made that sacrifice right along with you. My father is a a, a veteran and served three terms in Vietnam and, and, uh, and retired from the United States Army, And so I have a little bit of an inkling. I've not served in the military, but I have a little bit of an inkling of what it's like to be a soldier having watched him. Well, for those of you who have actually been a soldier, then you will know, and I think you can back me up, a soldier has to be focused on the mission. A soldier has to respect the chain of command and take orders from their superior office. Well, officer. Well, Paul is telling us here that we should be like— sho- soldiers, where we take our commands from our superior officer, our commanding officer, and we know that that is Jesus Christ himself. And a soldier also is ready for battle at all times. Can I get an amen? When a soldier goes, is deployed and goes into the battlefield, the soldier does not take things that he or she does not need. The soldier only takes those things that are necessary for the battle. I don't know the long list, but I could imagine those things are things like weapons ammunition protective gear gear for to, in order to navigate Enemy territory. You see, the soldier is not weighed down by the things that weigh down civilians because they know they are going to be in battle. And in order to be able to maneuver and move and and pivot uh, on a dime and, and be able to react and have victory, they only carry what they need. And so we as believers in Christ should be like soldiers and we should not be weighed down with the cares of this world. We should spiritually take up our weapons and our Ammunition and our protective gear and our navigating gear. And Paul talks about this in Ephesians 6, where he said, gird your loins with truth, put on the breastplate of righteousness, shod your feet with the gospel, preparation of the gospel of peace, He he went on to say, have the shield of faith that quenches every fiery dart and put on your helmet of salvation and take up your sword of the word. So that's your weapons, that's your ammunition, that's your protection and that's your navigating gear. Saints, we are soldiers and we need to be dressed for battle. Can I get an amen? The motivating force of a soldier is to carry out the orders that have been given to the soldier by their commanding officer. And so we, as followers of Christ, need to take our commands, take our orders from God himself. We should be motivated by the commands and the mission of Jesus Christ. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to throw a wrench in some of your theology right now. So forgive me, but I don't apologize for it. We live in an awesome country. I've traveled to many areas around the world, and and I believe, and I know we might have viewers that are viewing from around the world, God bless you, but I believe the United States is the best country on the face of the earth because of the freedoms that our democracy allows. And also because of the uh, opportunity to be able to rise in social and economic rank and and to achieve the American dream, so-called, and that's wonderful. However, I think we have held up the American dream as an idol and we have worshiped it and we found our identity in it. But what gets us out of bed should not be a house and a car and a boat and an ATV and an RV or a stock portfolio or a savings account or a bunch of letters behind our name or a position in society. That should not be what motivates us. What gets us up out of bed is what God has called us to do, what he's created us to do how he's equipped us. Some of us need to loosen our grip on the American dream and and replace that with God, why am I here? Why do I have the blessings that I have? Paul then also compares following Christ to being an athlete that must compete according to the rules. Now I find it so interesting that he didn't just compare being a follower of Christ to being an athlete, and stopped it right there. He compared it to being an athlete that competes according to the rules. Now, Paul must have loved athletics. He must have loved sports because he used uh, sports a lot in his analogies, whether boxing or wrestling or running or exercising. In this case, he says that an athlete must, must compete according to the rules. To give you a little bit of historical, cultural context to what he was saying, at that time, sports were huge in the culture. However, athletes had to abide by some very specific rules. They had to be a citizen of the nation. They had to be in good standing. Even as they trained, they had to train according to certain specifications and rules. And if they did not train according to those rules, they were not eligible to compete nor could they win. So we, as followers of Christ, must be in obedience to the commands of God. Y'all, we gotta live by the rules. And there are some rules that we must live by. First of all, we must acknowledge that God is God, and then we must submit ourselves to him and to his commands. How many knows that loving people is a command? We got to live by the rules. And let me just stop right here. This is not in my notes, but let me just say this. It's easy to say we love all people, but the Bible tells us, God, Jesus said, if you love me, you will keep my commandments. In other words, that love is evident through action. Love is nothing if it's not followed up with action. So we can say all day long that we love all people, but if you treat certain people a certain way or ignore certain people, I'm not sure you love all people. But God commands that we love all people. Being honest and being truthful is a command from God. Don't steal, don't kill, don't covet are commands from God. Even rest is a command from God. See, we live in this time in society where it's all loosey-goosey and it's, you know, do whatever feels good. If it feels good to you, just... Do it, And, you know, you do you, boo. And our academia teaches our young people about situational ethics, that certain things that might be wrong in one circumstance could be right in another circumstance. And we live in this postmodern era, which tells us that there is nothing that's really wrong, and there really is no sin. And popular culture will tell you that you can be your own God. You can decide within you, based on your truth, what is right for you. And that all sounds good, y'all, but it's a lie from the pit of hell we got to live by the rules starting off acknowledging that God is God and he is only he is the only God and he's sovereign and that the only way that we can have a relationship with him is through his son Jesus Christ And that in order to enter into that relationship, we have to accept the work of the cross that Jesus did and receive him into our heart as Lord and Savior. And then we need to be filled with the Holy Spirit, which is the guarantee of our inheritance of eternal life with God. We have to live according to the Holy Spirit, who is our teacher and our comforter and our guide and our discipliner and our wisdom and our witness that we are in fact in Christ. And because of all of this, the Holy Spirit will then spur us, woo us, bring us into a a, a attitude of submission and surrender before the Lord that we will seek an intimate relationship with God, which starts with prayer and studying the Bible and corporate worship and praise and understanding that God is truth. I got news for you, you don't have truth. Not really because God is truth. He's the absolute truth. And if you don't accept that, then you don't accept your identity in Christ. He is the, the only one that made this universe. He is the Alpha and Omega. He is the beginning and the end. He is the all-knowing, all-powerful God. He is the El Shaddai. He is the Elohim. He is the Alpha and Omega. He is Jehovah. He is the one that is by Him, through Him, and for Him. He alone is the King of every King. He alone is the Lord of every Lord. Can't nobody give God advice? Nobody has wisdom greater than God because He is God and God alone and we as followers of Christ we must follow him like an athlete that plays by the rules and those are the rules are you ready for them can you live with them Yo, yes you can the Holy Spirit will help you with it Paul then goes on to say being a follower of Christ is like being a farmer and a farmer is worthy of the fruits of his or her labor I love this I grew up in an agricultural society in Arkansas. And if any of you are farmers or even garden, you understand how difficult it is to produce a crop. It's not easy. The saying, you can walk past it, you can read past it, and almost miss the gravity of what it's really saying. Because here's the thing, every farmer will tell you that getting to a harvest is hard. First, you gotta have the right land and it has to have the right soil. Then you gotta plant the right seed in the right season. Then it has to get the right amount of sun and the right amount of rain. And as a farmer, then you have to nurture it and, and till it and prune it and fertilize it and then hope that God will bring a harvest. It's not easy to bring a harvest. So here in verse 13, when it says that a farmer will enjoy the fruit of their labor, we automatically go to the fruit. It's like, woo! I like that, that sounds good, I want fruit. But I'm here to tell you that there is labor before there is fruit. Hmm, is right, thank you Pastor Michael. There is labor before there is fruit. Now, this is not gonna sound sexy, it's not what you wanna hear, it's not gonna have curb appeal, but it's true. We must work, we must labor in order to enjoy the fruit. Yes, salvation is free, but living and following Christ will cost us everything. Some of us are waiting for fruit from God, but my question to you today is, have you done the labor? You're mad at God because you don't see the fruit. Have you tended the soil? Have you planted the seed? Have you watered the crop? Have you weeded the crop, pulled the weeds? In other words, have you put in the prayer time? Have you been obedient to the will of God? Have you been studying the word? Have you been growing in community with one another? Are you taking classes? Did you get the degree? Are you finishing your certification? Some of us are crying and moaning for fruit, but we haven't done any labor. You are worthy of the fruit, but you got to do the labor first. Amen, Pastor Debbie. That's all right. I will amen myself through this whole sermon. Then going on to verses 11 through 13, Paul then tells Timothy that there are coexisting truths in the kingdom of God, that if we want to live, we must die. Death comes first, then life. That if we want to reign, we must endure hardship. That if we deny him, Christ, he will deny us that if we are unfaithful, he remains faithful because he can't deny his own character. These are the the characteristics, the nature of the kingdom of God. So, how do we do all of this? How do we live like this? It seems almost impossible, and I'm sure that Timothy must have asked the same questions. Well, Paul put the answer in the letter to Timothy. It's all the way back at verse one of chapter two. This is what it says. Timothy, my dear son, be strong through the grace that God gives you in Jesus Christ. That's the answer right there. How do we endure? How do we stay the course? We accept and live off the grace that God has given us in Christ Jesus. It's the grace that will allow you to endure. It's the grace that will get you through difficult periods of time. It's the grace of God that will help you stand when, when life is bringing all kinds of storms and all kinds of difficulties. It's the grace of God. What is grace? It's hard to define, but I'll just tell you this. First of all, we can't earn it and we can't buy it, and there's no way that we can deserve it. God gives us to it, gives it to us freely. There was one definition that I remember hearing when I was a teenager and growing up, getting, maturing in the Lord, and it was an acronym, G-R-A-C-E, that grace was God's riches at Christ's expense. And that's my favorite definition so far, God's riches at Christ's expense, that we have access to the treasures of God through his son, Jesus. It's in Ephesians 2 and 8 that it says, for by grace we have been saved through faith, not of ourselves. It is a gift of God, lest anyone should boast. Second Corinthians 9, 8 says that God is able to make all Grace abound toward you, that you always having all sufficiency in all things, may have an abundance in every good work. You see, our salvation is by the grace of God. We didn't earn it. It's not because we're good people. That is a, a very popular mantra in in our popular society that uh, people that well, we know we're all good people. Well, the Scriptures tell us that we are all born into sin and that we need a Savior. And it's because of the grace of God that while we were yet in sin, that he sent his son Jesus to die on a cross and to be uh, uh, the propitiation of our sin, to stand in our stead, in other words. And it's not because of something that we did. It's not because we're nice. It's not because we volunteer. It's not because we give a lot of money to church or charity. It's because of the grace of God, because he loved us so much that he gave his only begotten son. That is the grace of God, and that's how we live this life. The grace of God brings us salvation but the grace of God also gets us through the hardships and the difficulties that Paul was warning Timothy about. Paul himself said that he had a thorn in his flesh and he begged God to remove the thorn. We don't know what that thorn was and many theologians and historians have speculated, but we really don't know. But what we do know is Paul says that he begged God, take this away from me, I don't want this. And God's response was, My grace is sufficient. My strength is made perfect in your weakness. Some of us have been kicking and screaming and hollering for God to take us out of our difficult situation or remove the difficult person from our lives or put us in a better circumstance. And and he might very well do that. My prayer for you is that he does. But until he does, I'm here to tell you, his grace is sufficient. His grace can get you through the tough times. His grace can help you stand up for righteousness. His grace can help you love people that don't treat you well. His grace can get you past the trauma of your past and your past uh, 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 difficulties and, and assaults and violations. His grace can cause you to stand up and walk tall with your head up and know that you are beloved by God. It is His grace that tells us that we are approved by Him. It's His grace that allows us to be a friend of God. I'm here to tell you, you are approved amongst the brethren. God loves you, God treasures you, God wants you, God approves you, and He does it because of His grace. Hallelujah. Grace is supernatural though. There's nothing that you can do in your physical strength and your human strength to get it. It requires receiving it through the Holy Spirit. The example that I wanna give you and then I'm almost finished is Peter. He's a great case study in the difference between trying to work for Jesus in your own strength And then working for him under the grace that comes through the Holy Spirit. We know about Peter. I'm not going to take a whole lot of time to talk about Peter's resume and his background. But of course, Peter was one of the 12 apostles. And, you know, Peter was, if you will, if you'll allow me this liberty, I'll call him. He was the thug of the group. He was the one that cut off the soldier's ears. He was the one that uh, was always getting in trouble. He was the tough guy. And just before Jesus' persecution and and crucifixion, Jesus began to prepare the apostles for uh, what was about to happen. And he said, one of you will deny me. And Peter said, no, 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 not me, Lord. I'd rather die than deny you. He was sure of his faith. And Jesus says, not only will you deny me, you'll deny me three times before the cock crows. And that's exactly what happened. And when we read it in the scripture, we read that when that happened, when Peter denied Jesus for the third time, in spite of him uh, uh, being all in and being this tough guy, in that moment, the cock crowed, and, and the scripture says that Jesus looked at him and looked him in the eye and Peter was devastated because he then realized how worthless his own strength and resolve was. But it's this same Peter, after the disciples have gone to the upper room and waited for the Holy Spirit, the promise of the Holy Spirit to come, and we know the story that uh, in Acts 1 and 2 that the Holy Spirit descended upon them like fingers of, of fire, and they began to speak in other tongues. After they were filled with the Holy Spirit, then it was that same Peter who was the thug, the same Peter who was the hothead, the same Peter who bragged that he wouldn't deny Jesus, but yet denied him three times. It was that same Peter that stood up and preached the sermon of a lifetime and thousands came to the Lord what was the difference between the two Peters one Peter was trying to do it under his own strength the other Peter was doing it under the power of the Holy Spirit by the grace of God and that's what we need to make it in this day amen 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 God has given you and me his grace through Jesus He accepts us because of the blood of Jesus. So it does not matter what your background is. It doesn't matter what you've done in the past. I'll go so far as to say it doesn't matter what you did last night. And for some of us, I can say it doesn't matter what you did on your way to church today. Because of the love and the grace of God through Christ Jesus you are empowered by the Holy Spirit to stay the course. I'm gonna ask Pastor Brandt to come on out. As I finish with these last few thoughts, your mission today is to know who you are in Christ Jesus, remember your identity, and stay focused on the mission. Stay the course, endure. Paul was encouraging us through this letter to Timothy that we will face hardship. There will be disappointment and difficulties and challenges and even tragedies. Jesus is our first and best example. He was God himself. And look how they treated him. But he told the disciples, and he's telling us today, in this world, you will have trouble, but take heart. I have overcome the world, (laughs) hallelujah. Whatever you're going through, God has already overcome it through Christ Jesus. Paul knew well after taking the gospel first to the Jews and then being sent to the Gentiles, establishing the church in the Gentile population, preaching powerfully and working diligently he knew that it likely would end in his death. And he was ready for it. He literally said he was willing to die for the sake of the gospel. And he is calling us to this same resolve. Now, unless you clinch up and back away and say, Oh, oh, Debbie, you went one step too far. The likelihood of us suffering public execution like Paul did for the sake of the gospel is not very high. We probably won't die that way, but are you willing to die to self? Are you willing to die to sin? Are you willing to die to selfishness? Are you willing to die to anger? Are you willing to die to unforgiveness? Are you willing to die to rage? Are you willing to die to materialism? Are you willing to die to lust? Are you willing to die to the ravages in the grip of addiction. The Lord is calling us today to die so that we might live. He's telling us through the apostle Paul and this message to Timothy, stay the course. Don't give up, don't give in, don't shrink back, don't waver, don't waffle. Endure, endure, in this world we will have trouble, but take heart, Christ has overcome the world. Jesus himself stayed on the cross. The scripture tells us in John sixteen thirty three, I believe, he says, but for the joy that was set before him, he endured the cross. The cross wasn't fun. It was hard. It was excruciating. It was unjust. But Jesus endured it because he knew what was coming after it. He knew that he would ascend to the right hand of the Father and that he would reign with the Father with authority being given unto him. And I got good news for you today. Jesus went through the cross. He suffered on our behalf. He descended into hell. He took back the keys to sin in the grave. And he, he rose again. And he has told us, He says, All power, all authority has been given to me. Now I'm giving it to you. You can endure because of the grave. Grace of God through Jesus that has given you authority. You can stand and you can endure. It doesn't matter what things look like. I'm going to end my sermon with Paul's words. He said it best, so I'm not going to try to rewrite it to encourage us. Paul said to the church at Corinth this, we are pressed on every side by troubles. We're pressed on every side by troubles, but we are not crushed. We are perplexed, but not driven to despair. We are hunted down, but never abandoned by God. We get not down, but we are not destroyed through suffering. Our bodies continue to share in the death of Jesus so that the life of Jesus may also be seen in our bodies. So we live in the face of death, but this has resulted in eternal life for you. We know that God who raised the Lord Jesus will also raise us with Jesus and present us to himself together with you. That is why we never give up. Though our bodies are dying, our spirits are being renewed every day for our present troubles are small and won't last very long. Yet they produce for us a glory that vastly outweighs them and will last forever. So do, don't we don't look at the troubles we can see now. Rather, we fix our gaze on things that cannot be seen. For the things that we see now will soon be gone, but the things we cannot see will last forever. Whatever it is that's in your life, it won't be here for long. God has brought you to it. He's going to bring you through it. Don't focus on the hardship. Don't focus on the difficulty. Don't even focus on your fear of standing up to the mission of God. Place your eyes on Jesus and receive the grace of Jesus and allow His grace to give you the strength to walk in the identity that He has given you and to complete the mess, the mission that he has given you. Yes, it's hard. Yes, it can be disappointing. Yes, it can feel unjust. Oh, but we have the strength to get through it by the grace of God. Do you believe it? If you believe it, would you say amen? Amen. 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 I want to take just a few minutes to give us an opportunity to respond to this word that I believe is from the Lord. As I was praying for you and praying about this preaching moment, what I felt in my spirit, and I count myself amongst this group, some of us are tired. We have been faithful soldiers. We have been athletes that have played by the rules we have been the farmers that have labored but we're tired tired emotionally tired spiritually tired physically I believe that the Lord has a refreshing wind for you today a restoration for you a strengthening for you In just a moment, I'm gonna ask you to respond by coming to the altar and we're gonna pray. And I'm just asking you to come to the altar or express it online in the chat, just as a step of faith. If you're tired, I'm gonna invite you to come to the altar. If you're intimidated by any of this, that this seems too hard, that you don't know how to do it, that you don't think you can, that you've tried, to live according to the mission and you failed spectacularly, I want to invite you to come. Allow the grace of God to strengthen you. If you're afraid, the enemy has backed you into a corner and you're living in that corner, shaking figuratively, I want to invite you to come. We're going to pray for you and pray for strength. But before you come, I want to do one important thing, and that is to give those of you who have not yet received Jesus as Lord and Savior an opportunity to do it, because that is the first and the most important step. I'm gonna ask that every eye close, every head bow with your hearts going before the Lord. The scripture tells us that we, when we confess with our mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in our heart that he is the son of God, that he died for our sins and rose again, that we are saved. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the light. No man comes to the Father except through me. I'm glad you're here at church today but it's not enough to come to church to be in relationship with God. You must accept the work of Jesus on the cross. And I would be remiss if I went past this moment without giving those of you who need to take this step an opportunity to do it. If you're ready to accept Jesus as your Lord and Savior, you wanna live this life of victory, You want to. Walk in the strength that comes from the grace of God. Today is your day and this is your moment. Again, with every head bowed, every eye closed, this moment is between you and the Lord. If you're ready to make that commitment and you say, I want to know who I am in Christ. I want to live my life according to God's plan and mission. If you've never accepted Jesus, never professed, Faith, and you wanna do that today, I'm just gonna ask you right here in this moment, would you just raise your hand? I'll be able to see you. More importantly, the Lord will see you. If that's you, raise it, raise it up high so I can see it. You wanna accept the Lord as your Lord and Savior. Is there anyone? Raise it up high. If you have accepted the Lord before and you've walked away from that relationship with Christ this is the time to come back if that's you and you're ready to come back to God he receives you, he loves you, he never left you if that's you, you'd like to dedicate your heart, rededicate your heart to the Lord, would you raise your hand raise it up high so I can see Thank you, I saw that hand. Anyone? I see your hand, thank you. I see your hand, yes, thank you. Raise it up high. I see your hand, thank you. I see your hand, thank you. Thank you, thank you. We're gonna pray a prayer. I'm gonna ask all of us to pray in solidarity together. But particularly for those who raised your hand, you pray this prayer from your heart. You're gonna repeat my words, but you say them to the Lord from your heart and he hears them from you. Would everybody just repeat after me, Lord Jesus, I believe you're the son of God. I believe you came to this earth. I believe you died for my sins. And I believe you rose again. Now come into my heart, be my savior and be my Lord. I'm sorry for trying to live without you. I'll never do that again. Now help me, Holy Spirit, to live the life that you want me to live. I receive you. I trust you. I am yours. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. You can open your eyes. Can we give a praise for those who have come in the right relationship? Hallelujah. I know it's late, but I just want to take a couple of minutes. So I'm going to ask you not to deliberate long in your seat. If you need a fresh wind, you need restoration, you need rejuvenation, you've been tired, fatigued, cynical, afraid, whatever it is, I just want to join my faith with yours and pray with you if that's you I'm going to ask everybody to stand we're almost about to go but if that's you would you join me here at the altar to pray for a refreshing from the Holy Spirit a fresh wind in your spirit if that's you I'm just going to ask you to come forward don't delay just come on I see you coming sweetheart can we encourage them as they come hallelujah hallelujah Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. If you're in the balcony, come on down, I'll wait on you. If you're in the galleries, come on, I'll wait on you. Thank you, Lord. The chicken will hold, the brunch will hold. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. I see you. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. I hear in my spirit, I hear in my spirit, Someone is hesitant to come down because you look strong on the outside and you don't really wanna admit your weakness. People think I'm okay, I don't wanna go down. The Lord says he has a blessing for you. If that's you, come on down. I'm gonna wait like 30 more seconds. If that's you, come on down. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. If you're still in your seat, just begin to pray. Hold on one second, Symbol, I can't out-preach you. I want you to begin to pray for those who have come down. Even if you didn't come, the Lord sees you, and he knows you. Here's what's important. You can't do this without the grace of God. The Bible says when we call on him, he hears us, and he hearkens to our call. I wanna introduce a new song as our prayer. It might be new for some of you, if you grew up in old churches, old Pentecostal churches, sanctified churches, you might know this. It's a hymn, most of us know it. We're just gonna sing the chorus of it, but I want you to sing it from your heart express your need for God. And it just goes like this. I need thee, oh, I need thee. It's really easy, every hour, every hour. I Bless me, oh bless me now, my Savior. I come to thee. These are sweet words to the Lord. Would you tell Him, I need the. Just tell him what you need. Tell him if you need strength. Tell him, tell him you need courage. Tell him you need forgiveness. Tell him you need renewal. Whatever it is, tell him what you need. He's here to give it to you. to say it like this. You ought to tell him yes. 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 Are you willing to tell the Lord yes today? Yes. 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 It's just that one word. Say it again, yes. Yes, sing it to the Lord, yes, 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 Lord, yes, 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 one more time, I'll do your will, sing it to the Lord, I'll do your will. I'll do your will, I'll do your will, I'll do your will. God, we stand before you, humbled and awed by your presence and by your power. And we acknowledge we can't do any of this without you. So Lord, I ask that you equip us, that you gird us up, that you strengthen us to walk in the identity that you've given us in Christ Jesus. Help us, Father, to stay single-minded on your mission in the name of Jesus. Help us, God. 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 We can only do it through you. Now, Holy Spirit, I ask that you blow through this place like a fresh wind in the name of Jesus. Blow through this place like a fresh wind in the name of Jesus. Blow through this place like a fresh wind in the name of Jesus. Now, when you feel it, react to it. Blow through this place like a fresh wind in the name of Jesus. (laughs) Lord, send your fire down. Send a fresh fire, God, in the name of Jesus. Fresh strength, Lord. Fresh resolve. Fresh determination. Fresh enthusiasm. In the name of Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Strengthen us. Strengthen us, God. We're going to run this race. And we're going to finish this race in victory, in the name of Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. We declare it to be so, in the name of Jesus, according to your word and to your will. I thank you, Lord, that we're new from this moment forth. God, let us not go back to business as usual. Help us to walk in the newness of faith according to your grace and power. In Jesus' name, Amen. amen. Can we just take a minute and praise the Lord? Can you give him the honor that is due him? didn't come forward, but you would like prayer, invite you to come down afterwards. There'll be pastors here to pray with you. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May he cause his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. May he turn his face towards you and give you peace. Go in God's grace, strength, and power. I love you. God bless you.